and welcome to Legally Bond, a podcast presented by the law firm Bond, Shank & King. I'm your host, Kim Wolf-Price. Today is a special episode for World Data Privacy Day, which is January 28th. And our guest today is Mario Ayub, an associate in the business department who practices primarily in Bond's data privacy and cybersecurity practice out of our Buffalo office. Welcome to this special episode, Mario, and happy almost World Data Privacy Day. Happy Almost World Data Privacy Day to you, too. Thanks for having me on, Kim. Thank you. All right. I'm really glad you could join us. So this is a special episode, so it's a bit shorter. We don't go into as much background. Can you give us like the two-minute Mario on your background in law school and then when you joined us at Bond? Sure. So I grew up in Buffalo, New York, uh, and I attended the university at Buffalo for undergrad, where I studied political science and international trade. Uh, After graduating, I decided to relocate to North Carolina to attend UNC Law School, And I later added a master's of public policy at Duke. Then I returned to Buffalo in 2020, where I began practicing in the data security space and was fortunate enough to land a position on Bond's cybersecurity team this past December. That's great. Thank you so much. Very well done in the short time frame. So you're going to have to come back for another episode so we can do the full thing where I ask you additional, somewhat annoying questions. (laughs) Definitely. Uh, All right. Good. Thank you. All right. So we had an episode earlier in the week with your colleague and mine, Shannon Knapp, and she was our guest. That started what we call the Countdown to World Data Privacy Day here at Bond Shedek and King. So we talked broadly about data privacy laws. Today, we're going to jump into a more specific conversation. It's often referred to as the Epic Games Settlement, and this is a recent settlement that has a lot of data privacy implications. Are you set for that to be our special episode topic? Yes, I'm ready. Can I first tell everyone the name of your article on this? Sure, go ahead. It might be one of my favorite ever. Fortnite skimmed, fined $520 million by the FTC for privacy violations. That's very well done, Mario. Very well done. I love this title too, but I can't take credit for it. Jessica Copeland suggested it and it was too good to pass up. So I have to give credit where credit's due, but it is a funny title. That's fantastic. And I promise I will make sure to tell her that you gave her full credit for that. And also I'm so proud of her that that was her title. I love it. Okay. So anyone interested in reading this article, I just want you to know listeners, you can find it at bsk.com under news. All right. So can you quickly explain the Fortnite skin relationship in that title so people understand why it's funny if they've never played Fortnite? Sure. So I'll just back up a little bit by way of a brief background. Uh, Fortnite is a popular battle royale shooter. This genre is characterized by a very large map where about 100 players compete by gathering resources, weapons, upgrades, all while trying to eliminate other players and be the last player standing. So if you're familiar with the Hunger Games series, it's sort of that idea. The game is completely free to play and everyone has the same basic avatars to choose from. But if you want to customize your character, that's where the skins come in. So skins are these cosmetic items that players can equip to change the model or aesthetic of the player character, uh, but it doesn't grant any competitive advantages. So despite this optional nature, these cosmetic items are wildly popular in game and they generate billions of dollars a year in revenue. Yes, and some from my house. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I may have to teenagers who at various times have played this, but then everyone wants the coolest new skin, at least. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So, well, thank you for that. So this Epic Games settlement, these were Federal Trade Commission, commonly called the FTC, claims against Epic Games. What is Epic Games? What do they do? And the product involved here was this particular game, Fortnite. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So Epic Games is a video game developer. Fortnite is not their only game. 
but it certainly is their most popular game. Epic also develops a very powerful graphics engine for game development called Unreal Engine, which is actually used by other developers across the industry. And Epic has also recently expanded into an online computer gaming storefront, very similar to the popular Steam platform that's used by millions of users, where they retail a wide variety of popular games from other developers. So they're, they're involved in a lot of different areas of the gaming and entertainment industry. So what is the role of FTC as we discuss privacy here? So the FTC's primary legal authority comes from Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act, which prohibits unfair or deceptive trade practices in the marketplace. Uh, but the FTC also has authority to enforce a variety of sector-specific laws, such as COPPA, which is implicated in the settlement that we're going to discuss today. So what was the issue at hand? What is sort of the two-sentence summary of what the FTC alleged against Epic? So the FTC brought actually brought two complaints against Epic. The first complaint alleged that Epic did not obtain parental consent before collecting children's data, and the game's on-by-default text and voice chat was harmful to minors. The second complaint alleged that Epic used dark patterns to trick users into making purchases, charged account holders without authorization, and even blocked access to content that players had already purchased. That's interesting. Dark patterns just feels like that's actually something from the game itself. So <laughs> so you mentioned COPA. What is that? What does that acronym mean? What is it? And how does it apply? Sure. So COPA stands for Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. And it imposes certain requirements on operators of websites or online services directed to children under the age of 13, and on operators of other websites or services that have actual knowledge that they are collecting personal information online from kids under 13. So this settlement focuses specifically on COPPA's requirement that a website operator must provide notice on the website or on the service of what information it collects from children and then obtains consent from a parent or guardian prior to the collection, use, or disclosure. Interesting. You know, it's something that I'm sure we'll have you back to talk about again, but kids' privacy on the internet is definitely a complicated issue, I would It is, and it's definitely something that regulators are very sensitive to and attuned to. Anytime kids' data is involved, it often attracts regulatory attention. All right. So what specific privacy violations did the FTC find here? So I'll, I'll take each complaint in turn. So the first complaint, this contained the COPPA allegations, the privacy allegations. One of the first inquiries you have to make when determining a violation under COPPA is whether a website's content, their products or services were directed towards children under 13. So here the FTC conducted this factual inquiry and was able to point to multiple licensing deals with children's brands. You have Marvel, Star Wars, kids can buy these skins that they can play as their favorite characters. Epic also teamed up with Spirit Halloween, a, a very popular costume retailer to sell costumes specifically for children. The developer routinely monitored the market to see the demographics of their player base. I thought one really interesting fact from the complaint was that 53% of all U.S. children aged 10 to 12 play Fortnite weekly. Wow. That's such a massive segment of the player base that Epic knew was definitely under the age of 13. Yeah. And I would say, you know, just using the data at my own home, it was that's the age and then people stopped sort of playing it. Or it dropped off significantly, at least. Yeah, the numbers do drop off significantly after the 13 cutoff. So this is particularly relevant to, to COPPA here and requesting parental authorization. So, but probably the clearest evidence of 
Fortnite's targeting towards children was intercompany communications, which clearly stated they published a bunch of them in the complaint that the standard for future Fortnite content should be whether it would interest a 10 to 12 year old child. So you have communications pointing exactly to this age group. It's no surprise. So based on this evidence and Epic's failure to routinely collect parental consents, the FTC was able to bring a very strong claim for a COPPA violation. And I did actually flinch when you said the internal communication. Sorry, the, the lawyer and me flinched. Oh, yeah. There were, <laughs> there were plenty of very clear documents that pointed in that direction. So also in the, in the first complaint, the FTC focused in on the fact that the text and voice communications were always on. This means that children and adults could communicate without any restrictions, without any opportunity for parents to jump in. And the FTC cited many instances of cyberbullying, exposure to violent and adult content, Epic did eventually add these chat controls, but the FTC found that these controls were inaccessible because they were buried deep within the settings menu where many players and parents couldn't find it and it was very easy to miss. So although those controls were added before the complaint, the FTC didn't give Epic a lot of credit for that because they were intentionally buried within the settings. And it would seem like, especially with the age range, it would have to be something easier to find for a busy parent just kind of jumping in to set the settings and then leave. Definitely. The parents aren't really familiar with a lot of the menus, and that's kind of easy to miss. And if the players are missing it, who spend a lot of time on there every day, can't expect the parents to, to know where to look. So the second complaint concerned Epic's use of these dark patterns, this kind of sinister sounding phrase, which, which is actually quite sinister. Yeah. So essentially, these dark patterns are interfaces designed to trick users into doing things that the user does not intend. So you see these tactics employed a lot in mobile games where game progression is typically tied to and fueled by these microtransactions. Specifically here, the FTC alleged that Fortnite's menu layout encouraged accidental purchases with just one click. So this could happen when the game was loading and you didn't even see the interface. Yes. It could happen when the game was in sleep mode. So very easy to make purchases even when you don't know what's happening. On top of this, the FTC found that children could continue to reauthorize their parents' credit cards without allowing parents to intervene or reauthorize or check the purchases before they went through. Once that credit card information was in, it was fair game, which I'm sure a lot of kids enjoyed. But the other portion of this too was sometimes the purchases made in the game were gated or blocked after the player had spent real money on them and they weren't able to access those cosmetic items. Yes, I would say yes to all of that. <laughs> I, I, As a parent of two people who may have played this game at one point, I think many of those things... Yeah, that all sounds right, FTC. So there are a lot of regulatory agencies out there and several that have privacy roles. What is the role of the FTC in, in privacy regulation? Yeah, so I think the FTC's role in the privacy space is going to expand past Section 5's unfair and deceptive trade practices jurisdiction. It's a nice tool to have and it's quite flexible. But as new technologies emerge, these dark patterns becoming more prevalent, uh, use of AI and profiling, the FTC recognizes there is a need for some more sophisticated tools to combat these privacy violations. So this past August, the commission published an advance notice of proposed rulemaking to gather public feedback on whether some new rules are needed to address these potential harms stemming from things like commercial surveillance and profiling and lax data security practices. Specific topics they were looking for feedback on was harms to children. That's always first and foremost when you're looking at these types of trade practices automated systems. Are automated systems making fair decisions based on the data that is fed into these algorithms? 
discrimination that might arise from profiling and surveillance and consumer consent. Looking at how companies gather consent, did the consumer have enough information to make informed consent, things like this. So we'll have to keep a close eye on any rulemakings that arise from this discourse, but we definitely will probably see the FTC and maybe other federal organizations step up their enforcement. Yeah, this is all complicated, you know, because a lot of these industries existed before we sort of paid attention to uh, data privacy. So now we're trying to build this around things that already existed. Definitely. It's it's a little bit of a game of cat and mouse as new technologies spring up. The government has to react and, and think of more innovative ways to combat some of the privacy violations. Yeah, absolutely. And just even I think just a few years ago, we were trying to figure out what the privacy violations might even be. Exactly. So it's a, it's a lot that we've been building. Do you have a couple of quick takeaways from this Epic Game settlement? Sure, I'll, I'll give you a couple, but then then people have to go read the article. I don't have my yes. own podcast to promote, so this is my sole plug of the day. Um, <laughs> I think businesses really need to be honest about who they market their products and services to. Often you'll go on a website, you'll see the privacy policy, and it states that the website isn't intended for children under 13, or we don't market to children under 13. If you look at this settlement and the language and the complaints, that's not enough. The FTC conducted an in-depth factual inquiry that focused solely on Epic's actions and business decisions rather than any disclosures the company was going to make. So make sure you can back up your privacy statement with a track record of actual compliance. I think another key area is routine evaluation of your website's interface. So it doesn't have to be a game. It could be a storefront online. It could be you're selling something. How many clicks does it take to make a purchase? Are key privacy controls, are they difficult to locate? Does the website provide notice to consumers regarding the collection of payment information? Any opportunities to consent? Those types of questions, those have to be asked routinely as a website changes, as new products are added, and this will go a long way toward maintaining compliance. And at that first point you made, makes me think of that phrase that we sometimes use as lawyers, good faith. You have to make it, like it has to be done in good faith. Like if you say we don't actually market to those folks. You have to, in good faith, make sure that you're not marketing to them. All right. Well, thank you, Mario, for joining us for this special episode of Legally Bond and giving us this sort of high-level run-through of the Epic Game settlement with the FTC. I hope you'll come back again and talk to us more about kids and privacy, maybe some cybersecurity. Absolutely. There's stuff happening every day, and I had a lot of fun chatting about topics that I enjoy, so I will be back. All right. Very good. All right. Well, to you, Mario, the entire team in your practice group and all of our listeners, happy World Data Privacy Day. And um, thanks again for joining us. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Legally Bond. If you're listening and have any questions for me, want to hear from someone at the firm, or have a suggestion for a future topic, please email us at legallybond.bsk.com. Also, Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Legally Bond wherever podcasts are downloaded. Until our next talk, be well. Bond, Shenick, and King has prepared this communication to present only general information. This is not intended as legal advice, nor should you consider it as such. You should not act or decline to act based upon the contents. While we try to make sure that the information is complete and accurate, laws can change quickly. You should always formally engage a lawyer of your choosing before taking actions which have legal consequences. For information about our communication, firm, practice areas, and attorneys, visit our website, bsk.com. This is Attorney Advertising. Mm